0: Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye Sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawkeye Central on 1460 KXNO. Happy Wednesday evening, Hawkeye fans, and welcome into the latest Hawkeye Central radio hour here on 106.3 KXNO. Actually, not a full hour tonight. We'll get to those details in a minute. But uh, I'm your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register, and I will lead tonight's conversation about the Iowa Hawkeyes. Until we turn you over to Iowa Wild playoff hockey, the Wild made the playoffs this year. Uh, that kicks off at 6:45 p.m. So a truncated version of tonight's show. Two segments. We're going to have to go fast. Uh, as you as you may have seen last week, I had a sit down with Iowa men's basketball coach Fran McCaffrey. We will get into his comments plus activity in the transfer portal for the Hawkeyes later in the show. But first, let's talk some Hawkeye football. It's about time. Uh, we got some coordinator interviews coming up on Thursday. Uh, including Brian Ferentz, and then the spring quote-unquote game on Saturday at 1045 a.m. at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, Public is welcome to attend for free. So lots of football to preview and discuss. Uh, Let's get it going and welcome Kennington Smith, my colleague at the Des Moines Register. My friend, uh, can you believe the spring game, as we call it, uh, or spring scrimmage, is uh, just about here?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to believe. I feel like this entire year to date has just been a whirlwind and we're going to kind of get into that later with the coordinator discussion, but it seems like everything is happening so fast and it's, you know, signing day, then it's the NCAA the tournament and the women go on their run and they're doing that in the midst of spring football. And now we've gone through several rounds of interviews and now the spring game is here and then the transfer portal is opening simultaneously. There's just so much going on, but now, looking forward to uh, this discussion tonight because, um, as we said before we started the show, there is um, a lot of intrigue around Iowa's football team right now. So I think Saturday is going to make for um, you know somewhat of a, of a notable day, I guess as notable as the spring game can be.
0: Absolutely. And there are two specific position groups that we do want to discuss in greater detail during this first segment. And you'll see why uh, momentarily. But let's start, Kennington. With Saturday's spring football scrimmage slash open practice, you know we should get a good hour and a half, two hours uh, of of eyes on the Hawkeyes. Uh, who's hurt? Who's <laughs> you know who's throwing balls? Who's catching balls? Uh, but uh, what honestly uh, should we expect? Um, I've got I itemized I three storylines here that we can discuss. But uh, why don't you give me something you're looking for in particular on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I'm going to be looking at the right side of the offensive line. What are the developments there? Um, even though there have been moving parts throughout the offensive line, I think the left side of it is solidified with Mason Richmond and Connor Colby when both healthy. And then you have Logan Jones at, in the middle at center. But what's going to happen on that right side? You know, Dajon Parker has been out. Nick DeYoung has been coming on and, and playing a few positions. And obviously there's both Stevens and Jennings Dunker welcoming Rusty Feth in the summertime. So that's uh, the part of the offensive line that I think has the most question marks. So I think Saturday will shed a little light on where those guys rank on Iowa's depth chart right now.
0: Yeah, Dunker is of of real interest to me because he has he gets a lot of buzz, gets a lot uh, behind the scenes just as an athlete, and he's a big dude. And he was just kind of trying to figure it out last year after kind of overcoming some injury. And you, you have to feel like with Rusty Feth coming in, that they're feel pretty good at guard with him and Colby. So I, I almost feel like, you know, could Dunker potentially become that right tackle option? Uh, you know, I don't know how much we'll get to see of, of anybody, honestly. I mean, injuries is going to be one of the things I'm going to be following on Saturday. Who's available. Who's not. I recall, you know, that being a big storyline last spring, Kennington and, and in the summer as well. So, you know, I know it hasn't been the healthiest spring for the Hawkeyes, but, you know, we will try to itemize who's in and who's out and and let you know those things. Uh, one of the storylines I've got listed, Kennington, is just how bad is the situation at wide receiver because, as you know, the transfer portal has opened. Uh, it, it opened uh, over the weekend. It's only a 15-day period here where guys can jump in after spring ball or at the end of spring ball. And um, that's going to be really interesting to watch. Uh, I think we'll get a little bit better sense on Saturday. Like, how, you know, what do they need uh, and who's available? You know, have some of these walk ons taken a step forward. I mean, that's something we've heard too. But uh, I definitely think, regardless, the portal has to be an option at receiver. And, uh, <laughs> you know, come on down. There's playing time to be had.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, at the receiver position, I think that. Something that is going to be notable to watch is can the the walk-on receivers win against Iowa's best defensive backs? I think that would be a pretty good indication of how much they could contribute this fall. They were in a situation like this last year where Arlen Bruce was the only receiver and they had to um, play with several walk-ons on the roster and there wasn't a lot of separation being created. We've heard buzz this spring, but I think Saturday – Seeing those guys line up against Cooper DeGene and Jamari Harris and you know T.J. Hall, Deshaun Lee, and others, if they're able to win and create some separation, that might build a little bit more confidence. But if it's hard for receivers to make plays, that would be a pretty strong indication that they have to continue to, to search through the, the portal and, and try to find some options.
0: Another storyline uh, on my list. I actually, why don't you to go? You got another one?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go. With quarterback play, obviously, mm-hmm. because we we got to see where Cade McNamara is health wise. But even in conjunction with that, the the battle for quarterback two is really important right now. I mean, Iowa played three quarterbacks last year, the year before in twenty twenty one. They were very close to playing three quarterbacks. It was a dire situation going into Nebraska for the division title. So this is a program that is needed to have at least two quarterbacks, and last year three to finish out their season and win some important games. So has Joe Lager taken that step forward, confidence building from the bowl game, how much has Deacon Hill come in and pushed him and learned the offense and maybe made an impression as well? So without Cade presumably taking the 11-on-11 the 11 11 reps, those two guys behind him are going to have an opportunity to show something and make an impression on the coaches as well.
0: Yeah, I'll, uh, I definitely was going to pick uh, quarterbacks. Obviously, you know, offensive tweaks, uh, something to watch. I don't, I don't know how much we'll be able to detect without talking to, uh, you know, coaches uh, in in more depth. Obviously, Brian Ferentz on Thursday, when we talk to him, uh, you know, for coordinator interviews, we'll get some insight there. But there are a lot of topics to broach with him. Uh, you know, I think one area I'd like to, I'm interested to see is where is Aaron Graves lined up? Where do they have guys situated on that defensive line? Um because you know we saw Lucas Van Ness at on the edge last spring, and that 's where they meant for him to be until injuries sort of necessitated that he had to move inside to y a black whatnot so you know, do they see graves you know inside and out is he just inside um kind of curious to see you know what we see there off the edge for because you know uh you know they they you know they lose Van Ness and they need some pass rush help and uh kind of just curious to see the coaches. Coaches thinking there, um, you know, and obviously, you know, the position group we're going to get to in a minute, but uh, in the secondary, you know, who's playing where, uh, what are they trying, those kinds of things. Um, let's talk about uh, injuries, um, or, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, running backs, running backs. We, uh, you know, haven't had a chance to talk to any this spring, but there is – there has been a couple commitments in the Hawkeye recruiting class uh, of uh, for the class of 2024 over the weekend. Iowa picks up Xavier Williams out of St. John, Indiana. He's a six foot, 225 pound prospect. Uh, that's pretty good size. Um, and Brevin Dahl, 6'1", 190 out of Adel, Iowa. You know, really, really fast guy, uh, athlete uh, could become kind of that uh, hybrid type of uh, you know run pass catcher out of the backfield that I will like. So I feel like those were two good ads for the Hawkeyes over the weekend and, and kind of solidifies that position group for the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to Liddell Betts for continuing to replenish the room. And there are some things that he can sell to uh, prospective running backs. Tyler Goodson was somebody that Brendan Dahl mentioned in his story with the register mm-hmm. about player comparisons. And Tyler Goodson's in the NFL right now. And I think if you look at Goodson's trajectory, as well as Caleb Johnson, two true freshmen that came in and played right away, there's uh, you know, the development aspect, but also the if you're good enough, you're going to play at the freshman aspect that Liddell does yeah. as well. So there is uh, a lot to be excited about about that room when you think about what's on the team now and then what's to come in the future. So you have to tip your cap to uh, Liddell for continuing to add talent to that room.
0: Yeah, I think as much as we talk about wide receiver Kennington, just how bad it is there, we kind of sometimes gloss over the fact that the running back's room – Looks pretty strong right now. Let's kind of look at the <laughs> that future and the and the you know the current and the future. Um, you know Caleb Johnson, I think we expect will be kind of the bell cow, right? Um, you know, half after especially after Gavin Williams transfers, uh, Caleb just looked so good uh, in, in those spurts last year and when he got those carries and uh, LeSean Williams, uh, you know, become you know uh, Caleb Johnson just a true sophomore, LeSean Williams redshirt junior, you know. Good number two back for sure, but you know Jazzy and Patterson has he taken that next step? Has he maybe a potential number two back this year? That's another thing we can watch on Saturday. And then Kennington, you know, we also want to get eyes on Terrell Washington Jr. He's the true freshman from Texas who came in in January, and uh, he seems kind of a like a gadget guy. That's four good guys on the on the roster on the field that we should see on Saturday. And then on top of that, you've got uh, Kamari Moulton a true freshman from Florida arriving in June. And then, you know, you add Xavier Williams and, and Brevin Dahl. That's seven guys, you know, all expected to, uh, you know, come back or be in the fold next year. So this room seems pretty healthy. What stands out to you there from, from that group?
1: Yeah, I think that what sticks out is their some position versatility when you start to get down towards the, the lower parts of the list that you named Brevin Dahl, as well as through Washington two guys who can run the ball, but also catch the ball as well. So maybe they can provide some assistance to the wide receiver room or just in a pass catcher capacity, lining up in the slot, catching out of the backfield, kind of filling a Arlen Bruce type of role on Iowa's team last year to where they could kind of do a little bit of both. So that's what's sticking out to me is that there's just a lot of different body types in the room and play styles in the room that creates versatility across Iowa's offense.
0: All right, I said we we're going to talk about two position groups, Kennington, and uh, you know the the other one we were going to, to mention was kind of the group we talked about last talked with. I'm sorry, last week, the defensive backs, uh, always a strength that seems at Iowa, but certainly question marks after the Hawkeyes, you know, lose uh, Riley Moss and Kavon Merriweather out of that experienced secondary. Uh, we got a chance to talk to six of them last Thursday, Kennington, Cooper, DeGene. Jermari Harris, uh, Deshaun Lee, Cohen, Cohen Entringer, uh, Xavier Wampa and Quinn Schulte. And uh, we each wrote about different things, but just from that group, Kennington, what uh anything jump out at you uh that you learned last week when we talked to them?
1: Yeah, I think kind of the same conversation with uh, the running backs They giving the Betts credit, you have to give Phil Parker an immense amount of credit for the talent that he's built in that room. And a lot of it is young. We think about Deshaun Lee and TJ Hall and Cohen Entringer, but there's an opportunity for those guys to grow. And then there's the element of having some veteran starters at the top of the position group who are going to be really strong frontline starters. So a lot of talent in the room, a lot of competition in the room and kind of what I'm going to be looking for, uh, that is kind of what you mentioned earlier is where are these different pieces fitting, what type of cross training is happening and what are the, the possibilities in the, the secondary in terms of maybe moving some guys around to create the best lineup.
0: Yeah, actually there were seven. I didn't mention TJ hall. He was over there <laughs> as well. And I know you talked to him, Kennington, you know, a lot of young guys that, that talked the other day, I was really impressed with Entringer. I thought he was, uh he was big, big guy, uh, you know, full 210 pounds uh, as a safety, and uh, I, you know, I think he's going to be a good one someday. He, he got that four-game cup of coffee last year, so didn't burn that red shirt. Uh, seems like he's uh, learning behind Xavier Wampa and Quinn Schulte right now, so I think Iowa feels well-positioned at safety. What did you learn from the cornerbacks you talked to, the young ones?
1: Yeah, I mean, looking at Lee and Hall, those are the guys on the the two line behind DeGene and Jamari Harris. And what I wrote about last week was how important depth is for this position group because you saw what happened when the depth wasn't there last year. I mean, Iowa had a lot of injuries in the defensive backfield, and I think somewhat similar to the offensive line, there were guys like T.J. Hall in that Nebraska game that had to play when they necessarily weren't ready to play. And it did not turn out well for Iowa. So going into this year, you know you have five really good starters at the five positions, but if someone were to go down, who is going to be someone that's going to step up and continue to to push the the secondary forward? So it seems like TJ Hall learned from his experience last year. It seems like he's a lot more confident. Deshaun Lee is somebody who emerged kind of in that December bowl practice period, and you know, even going back to the the bowl game, Riley Moss mentioned his name. Bill mm-hmm. Parker, Kurt Ferens, both of them mentioned him by name of somebody that they're going to need this year. So it seems like they're both much more mature. After their first year, they seem to know what's what's going on, and I think that's going to um, really help with their development.
0: You are listening to Hawks Central from the Des Moines Register and KXNO. I am Chad Leistico talking Iowa football with Kennington Smith. Uh, the two guys that I spent the most time with the other day, Kennington were Cooper DeGene and Xavier Wampa, obviously two high-profile in-state athletes, and man, oh man, uh, just got amazingly good vibes from from both of them. Uh, One thing I wrote about was how they are uh, leading the team in takeaways, uh, splash plays on defense, whether that's a scoop, scoop and score, pick six, interception, or even a pass breakup. Uh, This secondary of Phil Parker's, they chart it all, and uh, Xavier Wampa had the lead. I mean, this is the 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 true sophomore from Southeast Polk has started one game in his career, that being the bowl game, and of course that included a pick six against Kentucky. And uh, he was leading, but now Cooper DeGene has taken the lead. And I got I got word from one of the coaches yesterday that DeGene uh, got another one yesterday, in yesterday's practice. So I think Cooper's going to have the lead going into the spring game. But all in all, Kennington. I mean, these we saw what Cooper did last year, uh, five picks, including three pick sixes, seemed like all in just big moments, too. you know, that Rutgers game was just so spectacular that that run back. then of course in the in the home game against Wisconsin, and then, then the bull game to kind of cement, you know, that Iowa was in charge of that one just uh i I feel like he's just following. I feel like Wampa is following a similar trajectory to Degene if that makes sense because we saw Degene kind of get his first big taste of action in that bowl game uh, a couple years ago in the Citrus Bowl, and then, of course, last year in the Music City, Xavier gets his moment, and it sounds like he's really taken that strong safety job and run with it, and that's a great sign for the Hawkeyes to have both those guys in the secondary this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a good parallel that you made and something that maybe wasn't discussed enough last year was this is, you know, what Cooper is doing is – you know, what Xavier did when he was a freshman is just kind of play special teams and learn and wait for his opportunity. And now it appears that he's ready to run with it, like you said. I think when you talk about both of them, there's a level of maturity there and an understanding of Iowa's process. I think when you look across the college landscape. You see these, you know, highly touted four-star, five-stars come in when they don't play right away. They answer to the transfer portal. And that could have been a situation at Iowa, but it hasn't been. I think they have like complete trust in Phil Parker and his development and what he's doing. And now it's starting to pay dividends. So those two as kind of um, a playmaking tandem is going to be really fun to watch if you're a Hawkeye fan. And let's not forget that when Jamari Harris was a starter of 2021, he had four interceptions himself. So you right. have a lot of turnover um, happy guys in that secondary. Castro's a really strong hitter. Quinn, Schultz he's kind of like the brains uh, um, at free safety. So there's a lot of complementary pieces in that secondary. But when you have like, you know, two really high-level playmakers like Wampa and Dejean, it does have the makings for one of the best secondaries in the Big Ten and maybe even beyond that.
0: You wrote about Jamari Harris and his comeback. Uh, he hasn't been on the field since the 2021 Citrus Bowl. And uh, that's, a, that's such a key storyline to this year's team for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, Iowa needs a cornerback, you know, af- opposite uh, of Cooper DeGene, you know, after Riley Moss departs. But at the same token, uh, we know Iowa's trying to recruit a cornerback in the transfer portal. And why is that? Well, Cooper DeGene is most valuable, Kennington, at the cash position. Now, that does not. We don't. We did not talk to Sebastian Castro the other day. Uh, I think, by all accounts, Castro had a really, really strong year at that cash spot. But is Iowa even better when Cooper is playing cash? I would say they are. Uh, I think he's he gives them that a chance to you know uh, impact plays at the line of scrimmage and in pass coverage. Whereas, see the one thing I worry about this year, Kennington, is if they put Cooper out at corner. Uh, who I think we agree is their best defensive player, probably but their best player, period, on this team. They could throw away from him more so this year, potentially, right, because Riley Moss is gone.
1: Right, exactly. And um, going back to Jamar Harris before I touched on Cooper, he was asked about that during availability. Like, do you believe that teams are going to test you now because during your absence, Cooper kind of ascended to, what he is at cornerback and Jamari was just kind of like, I mean, I'm ready for whatever, bring it on. So I think he's <laughs> capable of hand. I think he's capable of handling that. But to the point that you're making, I think it is a valid one. You want Cooper, Eugene um, around the football as much as possible. And the only way that it can do that is if he's playing close to the line in that cash spot. And, I think that's where he is best. Maybe Phil Parker said that during last year's assisted availability. Mm-hmm. I believe you asked Cooper himself. He says, you know, I'll play wherever they want me to play at, but, like, I like being around the ball. So I think him being in that role really what would be best for Iowa secondary, but, again, it kind of goes back to the point of do you have the cornerback depth to facilitate that? And Jamar Harris walking down one spot. Is a, is a good sign, but there is another one as well that needs to be addressed. So whether it is on the roster or whether it is in the portal, I think that's something that I was going to be looking at pretty hard is how can we find a way to kind of fly Cooper into that cash spot and then Castro is going to be a, a valued member of the, the secondary as well.
0: Yeah, you're going to need depth. So, I mean, anybody who's you know worried, uh, what are we going to do with Sebastian Castro if, if – uh, Cooper degene plays cash. Well, Phil Parker has shown he's going to get guys on the field, And don't forget Iowa goes four three still quite a bit. So you know that takes the cash off the field. And in that case, then I would expect Cooper to go to corner. So it just it just allows that defense to be so much more flexible. Uh, and obviously, Cooper can play both cash and corner very, very well. And Castro can flo- can float to safety, too. I mean, we know uh, Sebastian can play safety, so, you know, say Quinn Schulte or Xavier Wampa goes down or, you know, or Sebastian beats one of them out. I mean, that that gives you more depth at that safety position as well. And I imagine that's kind of what, what Phil Parker is thinking about uh, in that case. All right, Kennington, just another uh, minute or two here in this segment. But, um, you know, coordinators tomorrow, uh, we talked <laughs> kind of off air about all the, stuff that's gone on with Brian Ferentz, uh since the last time we heard from him. Uh, kind of, <laughs> I don't know how we're going to get it all in in the 20 minutes or whatever we have with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, this is going to be so much to, to discuss and it's going to range from everything to what his expectations were for the offense to potentially the lawsuit settlement to his contract amendment. So I can't even pick one thing I'm looking for. I want to hear everything. <laughs> I'm gonna be. I want to hear everything. So every, any question that that gets asked um, is gonna be something of importance because, like you said, we don't have a lot of time. So I expect um, you know us in the media to ask questions that um, you know fans want to hear. We want to know as well. So I want to hear everything. I can't even pick one thing that I'll be looking for.
0: Just make sure you're asking the tough questions, Kennington. That's all
1: anyone I- wants. I, you know what, I'm uh, gonna, you know, get up early in the morning, look myself in the mirror, and like really just like give it to myself. Like you better go in there and just go right after him. So um, I'll be game tomorrow.
0: Why do you? Why are you so terrible at your job? Come on, answer. That's what. That's what we need to ask. <laughs> just kidding, folks. We we're very respectful. Uh, we, we're tough, but respectful in the media. All right, uh, good stuff, Kennington. Coming up next, Fran McCaffrey. Speaking of strong comments, had some last week about NIL and the transfer portal, plus some other topics uh, in the men's basketball department and other things we talked about in our sit down last week. Hawkeye hoops talk next here on one hundred six point three KXNO.
1: Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes. It's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register on fourteen sixty KXNO.
0: Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. Chad Lystico here of the Des Moines Register serving as your host for tonight's show. A short one tonight, we're running you up to the Iowa Wild playoff opener at 645 uh, here on KXNO. All right, let's uh, talk some Hawkeye hoops. Kennington, uh, you and I got a chance to be on a Zoom call today with Chris Murray, who has declared for the NBA draft. Obviously made it clear that he is... (laughs) Going forward with the NBA, he's not going to be coming back to Iowa, anything like that. Uh, Just wanted to say, I want to throw it to your thoughts uh, what he had to say today in about 12 minutes with us. Um, But I just kind of wanted to – I was reflecting on my drive over to the studio today. And uh, just uh, what a treat it has been to cover both Keegan and Chris Murray uh, over these past uh, two to three years. And just, uh, you know, model young men, amazing players, and, uh, you know, continually – you know, representing the state of Iowa really well. What stood out to you today from Chris Murray?
1: Yeah, I think it was one of his closing comments where he said, when I was a senior in high school, I didn't even know if I was going to play college basketball. And now he's about to be a first-round pick in the NBA one year after his brother was a top-five pick. And there's a chance that Chris could go in the lottery as well. So when you think about two kids from the state of Iowa, small town, no offers out of high school, both of them going to be All-Americans and first-round picks in the NBA, that sounds like a Netflix script. It doesn't sound like real life. So I think that's what stood out to me the most is just kind of like, as he's saying that, I kind of took a step back and reflected on it as well. Like, wow, that really is a remarkable story. And it's something that we've talked about a lot. But again, when you really back and think about the the whole journey It really does put into perspective um, how special it has been for their entire family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, man, how fun have the Kings been to watch so far in the playoffs? Up 2-0 on the Warriors? We, You know, we, we were pretty bullish on them, I felt like, last week on the show, even though the Kings were plus 230 underdogs in the series. I imagine that's flipped quite a bit now. But uh, that's been a lot of fun to watch, huh?
1: Yeah, for sure. Now, it's like I said on last week's radio show, I think a lot of it was people just perceive the Kings one way and the Warriors as another. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much you've been watching ESPN and SportsCenter and all that, but it seems like every national analyst is like, this is the first time I've ever watched the Kings. And wow, I'm really impressed. And it's like exactly the point I was trying to, yeah. to illustrate. So um, really good for the, for the Kings. Draymond is Draymond Grant suspended for game three. So the Kings have their foot on the Warriors' neck, and that would be... Um, <laughs> A pretty big upset, not on their chest, um, right? Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Not on their <laughs> chest, on, on their neck, um, metaphorically, of course. Yes, um, yes, yes. And the uh, the matchup in the next round between the the Lakers and the Grizzlies, whoever they get, should they win, to go to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, that is pretty remarkable for a team that hadn't been to the playoffs in almost twenty years.
0: Yeah, well, we're not going to flash forward to Keegan versus LeBron just yet, but. uh that it's it really has been fun and and Sacramento is a really deep team. Next game, you know we we messed up the time or we we didn't know the times last week. I'm going to tell you Thursday 9 p.m. That's your next chance to watch the Kings Warriors on TNT. Uh, a little bit of speaking of uh, California basketball, Kennington. A little bit of bad news, I guess. I mean, minor bad news for our Iowa women's basketball. Lauren Betts, the Stanford commit uh, or Stanford uh, transfer, who kind of. You know, peaked our interest. I would say, you know, sure. potentially coming to Iowa. Uh, at least, just the thought of it uh, is is committed to UCLA. Uh, and it sounds like uh, Haley Van Lith, not that she was coming to Iowa, is kind of trending towards LSU, as we talked about last week. And uh, Nisha Morrow of DePaul really has did not mention Iowa in kind of her seven, eight, nine schools uh, in a video yesterday. So, you know, still some uh, transfer portal work to be done for the Iowa women, but uh, the Iowa men, Kennington. Are continuing to be active in the portal. BJ Mac uh, did visit uh, Sunday through Tuesday, uh, the Wofford power forward transfer, and uh, you know he's uh, the fact that he was here. I think was a real positive based on you know when when I talked to Fran McCaffrey last week, he was uh, you know he didn't know what would happen on on Max Alabama visit if maybe he would uh, commit on the spot anything like that, but uh, he made it to Iowa. Sounds like it was a productive visit. And uh, I think that's a positive sign for the Hawkeyes, who officially announced the signing of Ben Cricky this week. So I'm not saying I was going to get Mac, but at least it's still in the running here, you know, with, uh, you know, a few weeks until he's going to make a decision.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got him on campus. That's the most that you can ask for in this transfer portal window where. It's hard to gather information, generate interest, and then get him on campus before they make a decision elsewhere because there are other schools vying for his interest as well. So you're exactly right. The fact that he went to Alabama, a school that's won the SEC, and could have a top pick in Brandon Miller, and he left without committing and came to Iowa, there has to be some significant um, interest there. So Iowa got a chance to to get a pitch in. So – now it's a, a waiting game. He's supposed to be South Carolina this weekend, so it'll be interesting to see if he makes it to Columbia for his visit. And right. um, from there, we'll just see what happens. But getting him on campus was a win. They gave the, the, best, the best pitch they could, I'm sure. And now we'll just wait and see what happens. Yeah, I mean,
0: that would be a, a real big win for the Hawkeyes if if they could get uh, Mac and Crickie um, – Gives him a lot more muscle inside, a lot more rebounding. The rebounding we think could be a concern next year, but man, that would really solve a lot on the front line. We'll see. You know, I know people are tired of Iowa versus Bama, you know, with the Caden Proctor stuff last year, December, but uh, this could be Iowa versus Bama again, potentially for BJ Mack. Uh, we'll see what happens. He has said, uh, don't know if he's going to hold himself to this, but he has said, that May 4th would be his decision, so we will see. Uh, One name we hadn't mentioned yet on the show was uh, Evan Bronze. He's the former Iowa City West teammate of Patrick McCaffrey, who started 30 games last season for Belmont. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I think it was Rivals that uh, first reported, um, hope I'm right on that, that Bronze uh, was telling his teammates that he was going to transfer to Iowa uh, we think is a walk-on uh, he averaged seven points five rebounds a game last year to me that would be a depth piece Kennington 69240 uh, and a little bit of a fallback if if mac doesn't work out I don't know that's kind of how I see that I'm not saying he's definitely coming here but I mean all the it seems like the stars are aligning for him to to finish his career at Iowa
1: yeah, I mean that's something that Iowa did not have last year was a reliable post player off of the the bench, somebody in that front court type of role. So definitely would fit a need for Iowa depth, bench production, all of those things. So if you can get him into the fold as well, I feel like that would be a, a big win in building out that front court that lost so much from last year.
0: Yeah, I know we're running out of time. Always do on this show. It's too much fun. But uh, Fran McCaffrey, you know. Uh, made some pretty pointed comments in our sit-down last week, and I know when, when you talked to him later that day with some other reporters, kind of echoed those sentiments. Here's a quote from my story. He said, uh, the transfer portal has become what it shouldn't be. It's not supposed to be pay-for-play, but that's what it is. Speaking of NIL, uh, that's the NCAA's fault. It's nobody else's fault. It's not an institution's fault. It's not a player or player's parent's fault. It's the NCAA fault. NCAA's fault. They created it, and now they can't solve it guys are getting paid to play, paid to transfer. A lot of mid-majors are being tampered with by agents and that's disappointing. I believe he called it in your interview, disgraceful. So, uh, thoughts on those comments from Fran?
1: Yeah, so like he's just speaking from a coach who's not, who's just frustrated with the system. And I think he said in our interview as well, unless you're a program that's being bankrolled by a billionaire, it's going to be hard to vie for prospects. I mean, you look at it uh, the level that I was recruiting at out of the portal, even then major guys are getting significant offers from power five schools. So what do you think it's like when power five guys are leaving power five schools? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a system where you're going to have to have um, a significant amount of money if you're going to attract players through the portal and even through high school. And is that fair? No, but that is the, the system of college athletics now. So it really is kind of an adapt or die type of mentality for going to do what he can, uh, while staying within his moral compass, and um, it's just going to be an uphill battle for him to continue to try to land players from high school and through the portal.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things you know he talked about is uh, you know making these making college athletes employees. And I, I asked him, I said, "Do you think they should be?" And he goes, "Well, that's what they are. <laughs> you know, they aren't called that, but they are because they and they are generating money for the university there." And and he thinks that you know, he's in agreement that they should share in that pie from the media rights. So that's all good stuff, you know, and, and honorable stuff that, you know, that he wants those players to get paid, but he just wants it done in the right way. Uh, obviously, Iowa's attracting mid-majors too, but I think the the difference is, that in, in his mind, they're not going out in the middle, you know, via agents or whatever, going out in the middle of seasons, you know, and, and trying to, you know, induce, which is not what it's supposed to be, but that's what it's become players, uh, you know, from other schools to to come to the, to your school. So it is kind of disappointing. And I think uh, I kind of wrote this or talked about this. I can't remember which, but I feel like it is kind of a, I feel like Iowa has not been, they're not in the greatest spot in the NAL world because uh, they're basically, they want to, you know, Fran is frustrated because he's, he's got guys in the portal that, you know, want to come here, but, they're honestly just getting you know, better offers somewhere else. And like you said, it's not like Iowa has deep donor pockets, especially in basketball, football more so, but not in basketball. And so, yeah, they're going to have to settle, I think, in the portal and in recruiting until something yeah, well,
1: changes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this goes back to the conversations that we had when The Collective first began. I think it was like the first podcast we did right afterwards, and it was how sustainable does – all, men's basketball, women's basketball, splitting a pot and then splitting it evenly after that. How sustainable is that over a longer period of time? It sounds great in theory, but once you get out and start recruiting competitively, you get a little bit dicey. So maybe there's going to have to be some innovation on the side of the collective or something that men's basketball is going to have to do to remain competitive on the national landscape. But I would agree with you. It is a frustrating spot to be in. I uh, saw what happened last year. It's happened again this year to a lesser degree. So, again, this is going to have to continue to find ways to adapt to uh, stay relevant in this market of recruiting.
0: Yeah. Uh, man, we ran out of time. We ran out of time, Kenny. I had a few more things on the list, but we're just going to have to uh, uh, call it a day, I guess. A couple other little things in that interview. P- uh, Fran did consider uh, – Fran, you know, considered as a family – would it be better for Patrick McCaffrey to go somewhere else? They talked about it and, and decided, no, it'd be better. Is His infrastructure here with mental health is better. And so, um, you know, he's going to stay. Uh, one final ride, I think, is what he he posted on Instagram, that type of thing. And uh, he said he did not interview for any other jobs. So the Notre Dame thing really didn't get too far um, at all with him. I know that was that was kind of a rumor out there. But uh, it was a good conversation. Check it out at hawkcentral.com. And, uh uh, I guess we'll talk uh, on YouTube tomorrow, right, Kennington, after the coordinators.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be um, a really fun weekend. So uh, buckle up. There's going to be a lot of football content coming your way, Hawkeye fans.
0: <laughs> All right. As I teased, uh, thank you, Kennington Smith. Short show tonight. Got to get you to Iowa Wild Hockey, but uh, check out uh, our planned YouTube podcasts for Thursday after coordinators and Saturday after the spring scrimmage. All right, next week on Hawk Central, come back in and join us as we recap the spring scrimmage and preview the NFL draft, and maybe even some portal news. Talk to you next week here on 106.3 KXNO. For Kennington Smith, this is Chad Lysico. Good night, everyone.